he could go to sleep for 10 years and wake up and I would say like, yeah, I think he can play Sunday. do this is rambling your weekly rams podcast that brings you inside of the team and news around the nfl i'm your Boston team reporter coming at you from los angeles california the rams are nine and four after a beautiful win under the light on thursday night football they beat the patriots 24 to 3 they kept the pass to just three points just throwing it out there on a short week now they have a few extra days to rest before prepping for the jets joining me today a reporter from the nfl network he also is a host for sirius xm Knows a thing or two about the league. Covered it. Covered it. I'm on coffee. This is a morning podcast right after Thursday Night Football. Covered it since 2003. I do believe, just looking at your hair, you use the same hair gel as Sean McVay, or is it Moose? Perfectly quaffed. Tom Pelissero, welcome to the podcast. Let me start by saying nobody can top McVay's hair. Like he's got, you know, the headphones come on and off, whether he's wearing a, you know, the mask, but like the, the, I, I don't have the verticality that he does, you know, like I, I've known Sean for a number of years, like it's never out of place. You've never seen him in any environment, no matter what he's wearing, no matter what he's doing. And the hair is not perfectly there. Now I would suspect as a, uh, somebody who has a great affection for different hair products, that he's using a heavier, like a clay or something, that's able to, to hold it in place. Uh, for me, I'll tell you a secret, it's coconut oil. That's what gives the sheen on TV. So even five hours after I've uh, gotten myself ready, I still have that fresh out of the shower look. Unrefined, organic, or we, does it matter? <laughs> Great question. Uh, whatever Amazon delivers once a month, that's what goes in there. And a lot of it goes in there. Coconut oil. Man, do you Smells keep it Smells great. Just all of it. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. I, I, I can't go back now. You know, I've, I've been gelling up my hair for 20 years. Like, I, I don't have anything left to put that, you know, that bedhead crap or the death yeah, or no. anything like that. Like, this has to be all natural. It's, it, it just, it feels great. Love to think that Sean McVay is using coconut oil. I'm, I'm more convinced it's like magnetic. It's just always facing north. Like it's just all his hair is just pointing in one direction because it like he's got to be a, a a clay or a pomade guy. There's just okay. there's no way that it can be perfectly like that with a looser hole. He, I mean, right? The first thing he wakes up. Do you like, want to jump in his press conference right now and ask him? Yeah, I know he's in his press conference from the day after the game right now, and I'm just like. I bet your hair is still perfect. It's just makes no sense. Well, you've got great hair. It's uh, do we call it quaffed? Is it you know? I don't know what the updo. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's just kind of. I got a haircut like two days ago. Cut mm. a little shorter than I normally do, so I'm like still getting used to it. But I don't know. It's just kind of a. I don't do much with it. A little yeah. coconut oil shunk, and we're we're ready to go. Love this insight. Well, I guess well, all see you the later. Way. I think we covered it. Yeah. Goodbye. You can go now. We figured out what Sean does to his hair. Um, I mean, listeners are like, can you talk about football already? Although they've all just ordered coconut oil as well. Um, Tom, you watched the game last night. You called me out because I got really excited in the fourth quarter, way too early against the Patriots. And you were like, do not jinx this game. You DM'd me with like 11 minutes to go. And it was like, I think at that point it was a two touchdown game. 
So I just immediately wrote back, jinx. I mean, you you got to pump the brakes a little bit here, but to your credit, uh, that, w- that was not a factor <laughs> the outcome of the game. What's not, thankfully, what stood out to you in last night's game? <laughs> Well, Cam Akers, the way that he ran the football, I mean, we've, we've heard so much about him for so long and for him to get the opportunity, not just to make, make a few big plays, but also have the volume. I think he had 25 carries in that game and over 170 yards. That's kind of the, the performance we were waiting for. And if you think back to when this Rams offense has been, I don't want to make it sound like it's ancient history, but, you know, a couple of years ago, it wasn't just, you know, Jared Goff making plays or Robert Woods or Cooper Cup. It was they had Todd Gurley. He was on the field almost every snap. He was a high-volume player. Uh, you know, they got the ball in his hands a lot. And when you're running this type of, a, you know, an outside zone scheme like they do, everything comes off of the run. Everything comes off of play action and being able to make pass plays look like run plays. That's kind of the foundation of the offense. So, you know, we'll see if now Akers can continue doing this uh, going forward along with Daryl Henderson or whoever else is in the mix to carry the football. But having that run threat is a big deal just because that's what makes this entire scheme go. Sure. And he gave credit to the O-line and Jared Goff gave credit to the O-line. No Whitworth in that group. However, even Michael Brockers was like, there are no fans in the stands, but I am a fan of this O-line. That to me is the defense is playing lights out. And he's like, let's let's credit the O-line over here. They seem to be doing well. No, it's true. I mean, you know, now they, they also do a really good job. One thing that, that other teams always watch with the Rams is how much they get their receivers in blocking, how much their tight ends do. I mean, they need guys who are versatile. It's not just being a good route runner. It's also being willing to to get in there and, and do the dirty work. And those guys do a really good job of it. I mean, it's it's everybody blocking uh, when you're talking about a run play. But certainly credit to the Rams for, you know, despite losing one of the, the stalwarts in the entire league and Andrew Whitworth, one of those guys that you always can count on, uh, they've been able to to keep that thing uh, running, you know, and golf didn't have to, you know, didn't have to do a ton last night, but making some big throws, you know, that in breaking route to cup late, that was big when they're backed up to their own goal line, you know, take some guts to call consecutive uh, play action pass plays with a, a lead, you know, back it up in your own end zone there, but they obviously had the looks that they want. And the other thing that you, you have to remember when you're facing the Patriots and the Patriots are very game plan specific, but really for them, everything starts with setting the edge in the run game. You know, that's kind of the foundation of their entire uh, defense. So when you're able to get the run game going against them, that can uh, put them on skates a little bit. And even though it wasn't, you know, a massive offensive performance by the Rams last night, they certainly were efficient. They were able to move the football, and obviously they were able to get it in the end zone. It seems like this is – I've said this a couple of times on this podcast, but the, the 2.0 of Sean McVay's offense from 2018 when they went to the Super Bowl, it's like – like we don't need to have uh, an 11 personnel all the time and disguise these different plays on offense. We just got different playmakers that can do different things. And we're all just sort of, we built the fortress, if you will. Well, I remember being out there, it was probably about two years ago at this time of year, it was in December before they played, now I'm blanking. I shouldn't have started telling the story. But so they were they had a game. I had the Rams game. Whatever was going on. I think they were playing the Vikings, maybe. And I went out there as an experience. 
I just wanted an excuse to go to LA for two days in the middle of December. Um, but I remember sitting with Sean in his office and I asked him about that because they were at such a high number of, um, you know, high percentage of 11 personnel. I mean, it was 90 plus percent at that point. And I'd been talking to other teams who were saying like, we think they only have like two or three protections that they even use. Like, it's just kind of, you know, they just are, are built upon uh, the speed of the game and running a lot of different plays out of the same looks. And, and Sean had a, a couple of, of interesting, things to say one was you know it was a function of because they're trying to be able to line up quickly so they can continue to make checks uh through the helmet to the quarterback but also to adjust to whatever defense they're getting when you're not changing personnel uh you're able to to uh, do that you know a lot more efficiently more effectively and the other really interesting thing he said was because they were under center so much with 11 personnel where you see a lot of teams who will spread out, but they'll go in shotgun. And what Sean said was in, in shotgun, you're kind of locked into half your options. Because think about it, if you're in shotgun, your running backs lined up to your right or to your left. If you're in pistol, you have a little bit more flexibility. But the point is when you're under center, you have the entire field. You, you know, it can go either way. That keeps people on their toes a little bit more. It's just one more way that they could kind of disguise the things that they were doing. And as time has gone on here, you know, it's, it's about, yeah, reacting to the way that people are playing you. They are going more multiple. I don't know the splits, but they're certainly not at, you know, 99% uh, 11 personnel this season. It's just, you know, that's why Sean's one of the best coaches in the NFL, which is he's always going to be thinking ahead to what the answers are going to be. And when people react and take things away, you know, how are we going to um, be able to have an answer for it? Yeah. Sean's a savant on the offensive side of the ball. Brandon Staley, our defensive coordinator, seems to be a savant on the defensive side of the ball. It is actually insane to think that they just keep getting better. And I've said this a lot, but Aaron Donald said it, so it makes it way more valid. He's like, it's not just these big name playmakers, right? Like Darius Williams is four interceptions in. Uh, Jordan Fuller, rookie out of Ohio State, getting an interception on Tom Brady. Not once, two times. And then last night, Kenny Young had his first career interception, took it to the house for six, just further proof that Brandon Staley is a magician, right? You said you had a lot of Kenny Young puns last night. I wasn't I sure what you were I was having about. so much fun. It was great. Only I'm the glad. good die young. I mean, we got all of those good. Okay. Now, now I get it. Uh, <laughs> with, with Brandon Staley, you know, he was on my list of uh, rising head coaching candidates uh, back in October. The list that is best known as the next McVay list, even though we all know there's no next <laughs> McVay because there's not a lot of uh, 30 year old guys who have been coordinators for five years. You know, right. Sean's background is so unique. But, you know, with Brandon, in terms of his personality, it is you know, similar to Sean in terms of that passion, that drive, that energy. Uh, he's still only in his first year in front of the room. You know, yeah, he addressed the defense some um, in Denver, uh, you know, when he was the linebackers coach, but it's different when you're the coordinator. So he is still young. I think he's 37 years old. Um, and he's somebody who, you know, remember when you're talking about the all the different guys making plays, that's kind of a hallmark of Vic Fangio's scheme is the way that it can um, press you from a schematic standpoint and give different guys opportunities because uh, the way that it forces you to adjust. And I don't know how well people know, but, you know, Brandon Staley was studying the Fangio scheme way before he uh, worked with Vic Fangio. He taught it to himself because he thought it was so unique. You know, in Staley's background, being at John Carroll, which is a football coach factory, and then going to, you know, some smaller colleges before he got his first opportunity to join up with, uh, with Fangio. You know, he's, he's really smart. He is all football all the time. He's still
still young. I don't want to scare Rams fans that, you know, Staley's walking out the door with a head coaching job, but do not be surprised. I'm just telling you, do not be surprised if he has head coaching interviews this year. And he's one of those guys who, based upon the type of person that he is, uh, if he gets in a room with a you know owner and a team president or a Zoom room, as it's going to be for some of these early interviews for the guys who are, uh, you know, in the playoffs, uh, people are going to be thinking a lot about him because he's, you know, he's memorable and he's able to present a, a vision in, in terms you can understand. Sure. And he gets respect from guys like Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald and, it's not a surprise in general that Sean McVay's coaching staff continues to get scooped up because they're all very good qualified candidates. So I get it. Um, quickly, what makes me happy? Got to give a shout out to Andrew Whitworth. He was nominated for uh, the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. He's been nominated before. Andrew Whitworth, obviously not on the field due to his knee, but was very cool. I don't know if you noticed, there was a massive 77 in the south uh, side of SoFi Stadium made out of cardboard cutouts from all of the different organizations and people that Andrew Whitworth has impacted over his time. Um, so just cool. I don't know if you have, Andrew Whitworth's been around for like centuries now. Any funny nuggets you have to share about Andrew Whitworth? Cause he's just one of those, man, you can't, you just keep getting better. Like, ain't nothing wrong with you. <laughs> I mean, I, I not not nuggets necessarily, but I think that if you go back and you look at the photos of Andrew Whitworth when he was, you know, in, in high school or college or when he first got into the league and like the, you know, chiseled granite figure that he has become, like that's a guy who who works on his body and has made, you know, such massive strides. You know, if, if the Bengals, you know, <laughs> and I think if they could go back in time, they would find a way to, to bring back Whitworth. But he also wanted a, you know, a fresh opportunity and a fresh start to go someplace else, do something else, bring his family out. Uh, he, you know, he's been through a lot this year between uh, the COVID situation and now the injury. Things that, you know, for one of the durable guys in the league, he really hasn't experienced a lot in his career. But you know, I was struck by the same thing. I mean, there's not a lot of – listen, NFL players aren't that different from fans in that – I think if you're not focused on your team, you know the guys who are relevant in fantasy football, and you might know a handful of like the big time players on defense or the guys who have car commercials and you know pitch <laughs> almonds or whatever it might be. Um, there's how many offensive linemen from different teams that are household names, and, and that goes for for within the league as well. Yeah, when Andrew Whitworth gets hurt, you saw all the tweets and you saw all the people saying things, guys who never played with Whitworth, but they know him. They, you know, he, Whitworth had reached out to him about something somewhere along the line. Um, that, that's the type of guy, and, you know, frankly, there's not a lot of guys who can play till they're 38, 39 years old, 40 years old, um, 50, whatever Whitworth goes to. Um, so guys respect that. Guys respect the, the work that it puts in. And, and another credit to McVeigh and his staff, you know, they don't, they don't practice Whitworth a lot. They, they make sure that they are taking care of his body and, you know, Wednesdays off or whatever it might be, making sure that they're giving him every opportunity to put his best self on the field on Sundays. For sure. We love Wit um, and we want him to have a speedy recovery. Amazing that he actually could potentially even come back based on his videos. Looks like he could play right now. So it's really exciting. I mean, he could go to sleep for 10 years and wake up and I would say like, yeah, I think he can play Sunday. Less than is probable. I'm with you. Um, news from around the NFL. This is it. Can and will the Jets win a game this season? They've got the Seahawks, the Rams, the Browns. It's a, it's a rough 
final stretch. I mean, that game last week was about as good of an opportunity as, as you're going to have. Uh, and, and I'm sure that there's – credit them with this. They're still competing. I mean, they they've are. competed every yes. week. They're not a team that's quit. You don't have to worry about effort. Um, you know, they've got some young leaders on that team, guys like Marcus May, who kind of set the tone. They do have some, you know, playmakers. They just, for the first 10 games or so of the season, they never had their whole offensive line. They never had all their receivers. Darnold was in and out of the lineup. You had a bunch of Joe Flacco. You never developed uh, any kind of rhythm. And, you know, there have been multiple occasions where the defense has been the ones that uh, – let them down. I mean, you go back to mid-October when Greg Williams made a statement publicly that basically blamed the offense for the defense's struggles. And Adam Gase didn't want to fire Greg Williams. He didn't plan to fire Greg Williams. But you called zero blitz with 12 seconds left or whatever it was and put Lamar Jackson, the other Lamar Jackson, one-on-one on the outside with one of the fastest guys in the NFL, Henry Ruggs. And then you got guys like May coming out afterward and saying, we got to be in a better call. You got to help us out. Those are the types of things where you have to make a change. So they move on from Greg Williams. Frank Bush will call the defense from here. I mean, I, I fully expect they're going to show up. I, I don't know that you want to be playing a Seahawks team that's going to be all ticked off because they just lost to the Giants at home. Uh, that would probably not be ideal. I'd rather that they be sitting pretty and you maybe catch them uh, in a bit of a lull. Uh, but they're they're going to come out and compete. It's just it's going to be tough because of how hard these games are. You know, and of course, with each week, I was at the Vikings-Jaguars game last week where the Jaguars nearly pulled off a win. Game went to overtime. They scored a late touchdown and two-point conversion. And all the while, you're sitting there uh, going, this is going to have a big impact on what we're talking about in April right now with yeah. the draft. In fact, I even talked with, with Mike Glennon, who's been the Jaguars starting quarterback the past couple of weeks. And I asked him about, you know, what's it like? Because, you know, when you're you're sitting there, you're one, they lost 10 games in a row. And a part of it was like, he, well, Glennon goes, well, I will have been on two other teams that ended up with the number one pick. Cause he was on the 2014 bucks and the 2018 Cardinals who both had the worst record in the league. Now he's competing for it again. I started laughing. I'm like, I'm sorry, man. I know this isn't funny, but this is clearly not ideal for you. He's like, yeah, I know. But he's like, and I know that there's a lot of people who are rooting against us, meaning Jaguars fans, because yeah. they all want the pick. So it's just, it's just this weird situation right now where, with some of these teams where you know, even the Patriots at this point, you know, is there a segment of their fans that are going statistically, we got like a 3% chance of making the playoffs. We should just lose out and maybe draft the, the next quarterback. These are some of the, the tricky spots to end it at the end of the year. But I also know this about the NFL. Nobody is tanking. Nobody no. is trying to lose. Yeah. You can't do it when you put the work in and when you have the physical grind, the 60 minutes of, of NFL football. Even the stuff last week where people were saying, you know, Greg Williams in on the tank. It's like, let's just hypothetically say they were trying to tank. There are a lot easier ways to tank than say, okay, guys, here's what we're going to do. For 59 <laughs> minutes, we're going to outplay the Raiders. Then we're going to stop about the 50-yard line. We're going to be 13 seconds left. Then we're going to need Derek Carr to avoid a seven-man blitz, step up in the pocket, not get sacked, and throw a dime to Henry Ruggs. Yeah, that's the plan. Like, are we stupid? What are we talking about here? That's, like, that's not how you would tank if you were going to tank. Right. Like, yeah, no, that's just a – having uh, spent two years with Greg Williams, that's just the over-aggression showing. And right. it, it was fun when the Rams offense couldn't do a single thing and – all they really had to rely on was that defense to be able to close out games. But, uh, yeah, that cost them there. And But it, it's nice to hear that Frank Bush will be calling plays. He's a great dude, too. I'm pretty sure he used to send out, like, a weekly uh, Friday motivation story thing. And I think 
uh, one of our other producers is still like subscribed to it and gets the weekly <laughs> emails. So, uh, yeah, great. Well, if anyone needs inspiration, it's the Owen 12 Jets. It is 100. I'm, I'm just, there's a part of me that's like, they're going to beat the Patriots in their last game of the season. It will be like, just that's the one game that they get the win. Two teams that, yeah, two teams that a win would not help at that stage. I mean, it, yeah. it's possible. Um, I mean, but, it's hard yeah, to it's, beat Bill Belichick in general, but the Jets somehow always play well against their rival with the Patriots. And I'm just like, that's how 2020 ends for them. This is where it goes. One thing I think is cool and also advantageous in the uh, COVID-19 environment is the fact that there are not many teams right now that are out of it. If you look at the standings, I mean, off the top of my head, and now remember, you have two extra playoff spots going to 14, and that's even assuming that we get all the games in and it doesn't expand to 16. But with 14 playoff spots, there's only maybe a half dozen teams that are, you know, mathematically out of it, and then maybe, you know, a handful more that are realistically out of it. There's a lot of teams that still have something to play for, which, again, I think is also good when you're, you know, one of the big concerns with the league throughout the year has been when teams fall out of the playoff race, will they get lackadaisical with the protocols? Will they say, well, who cares if our game gets canceled, whatever, even though, remember, it's your paycheck that's on the line, so you'd hope that's enough motivation. Uh, but as long as teams have things to play for, that might help guys make sure they're making the right decisions, not just players, but coaches and other people around the team, you know, get through the end of the season. We're at week 14. There have only been true, two true outbreaks in the entire league through the whole year. That's wild. That's impressive. I mean, if you had said back in August, you know, we're at some of the, the, you know, the worst times coming into camp when there were a lot of positive yeah. tests, which they expected, um, end of September when the Titans had their outbreak, when the Patriots had several positive cases, and you're going, gosh, are they going to get there? And then just a couple weeks ago when the Ravens had their situation and a couple dozen people uh, ending up uh, COVID-19 positive, and you're like, oh, are they going to have to bubble? Is it going to – no, like they've, they've got a pretty good plan. It's been in, you know, put together in consultation with leading epidemiologists yeah. on both the Union and the league side it's you know we, we keep having people say like they got to go to a bubble they got to go to a bubble well no not necessarily they might you know kind of in the playoffs you might do the thing where you move people into a hotel do local bubbles right. just to try to you know remove some of the exposures but you're still gonna have to make the right decisions you're still gonna have to wear masks you're still gonna have to socially distance um you know when we've seen that there have been issues within the league usually you've been able to trace it back to people not taking the protocol seriously correct i'm with you uh, yeah, it is actually a good note to think that we've almost gotten through. But I won't jinx it because I know you can go ahead. I'm not jinxing either. I'm just saying <laughs> two outbreaks, not that every case is not serious, but two outbreaks league-wide. We're talking about six, 7,000 people, players, coaches, staff, everybody. And two outbreaks is, I mean, I, I think that that is as close to – and every game has been played. Every yeah. game has been played. They've not moved anything to week 18. Every game has been played. Uh, that's, you know, it's not, I mean, the best case scenario would be no one gets COVID, but that was never going to be realistic. So this is the best case of a, a worst case scenario in terms of trying to play football in a global pandemic. Yeah. And I like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday football. I'm all, I don't mind the moves of different schedule, the Christmas tree. TV ratings. There might be some people getting ideas too. <laughs> I bet. Um, all right, Matt, it's that time. Okie dokie, here we go. This is Serena's socially distanced social segment. And uh, every year around this time, we see the elf on a shelf thing explode on social media. And uh, you've heard uh, elf on a shelf, but what about memes that have been going around Twitter? So I'm going to throw a couple of Rams themed ones. They're not great, but like I'm 
if this is what we're dealing with today. But uh, they're not great. That's they're they're not great, stuff. but uh, I mean, what are you going to do? It's you can only rhyme so many things with uh, certain names. But I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a couple your way. You tell me if it makes your list of holiday decor around the Palisero home. Okay. First one we're starting outside. We got Sean on a lawn. Sean on a lawn. <laughs> see that? Throwing it up there. I'm guessing some Rams fans already have that, right? You move Sean around the lawn. Just put him It's a small lawn. You're in California. You're in LA, so. Right, we're not allowed to water it. But... <laughs> All right. Uh, I don't know where you're putting this one, but get get creative. We got Hecker on a checker. Hecker on a checker. Small. No. no. Small. All right. Uh, we'll go. We'll go hanging fruit for this one. Uh, Cam on a ram. Cam on a ram. Take that. That's a good one. I would. I would retweet that if the Rams put that one out there. I'll let Sydney know. Yeah, I'm just let's see. Um, we got another. This one's probably in the garage somewhere. Daryl in a barrel. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Cool. And then maybe we go back outside. We got Coop on a stoop. That's awesome. Coop on a stoop. If we could get them like actually like. <laughs> Yeah, like post up like 90s hip hop album cover. Yes. Cooper Cup is one of the most swagged out, doesn't even realize he is guys in the league. He just got like a fancy new, I think it's like this bright blue car. Um, he wears his little Jordans and like the fitted hats and comes in and I'm like, he has a, one of those like long t-shirts when we were allowed to all be around each other sometime last season. And I looked at him, I was like, Coop. You're, you're a swaggy guy. And he goes, my wife dresses me. <laughs> what? He, coop on a stoop. That's my pick. All right. Well, I just read the rest of them and I was like, nah, I'm not even going to go through with these. We're just going to leave it right there. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, you're writing things out and you're like, oh, that could work. And then you're like, you know what? I'm, I'm killing that idea. So I, I will read it on coop on a stoop. From, from the torture, coop on a stoop wins. Um, We'll end with this, say what, Cam Akers, who was listed early on in the injury report for having something going on with his shoulder, clearly didn't affect him in the game last night. Um, I will play his, someone asked the question like, hey, so how's your shoulder doing? And uh, here's what he had to say. How, uh, how bad was your shoulder tonight? I know it was an issue early in the week. Listen. <laughs> we, we were told that you had a, a shoulder. Uh, um, obviously, I'm laughing, but no, what shoulder? What happened? I guess no shoulder, no problem. Like, can't see it. It's not there, right? He was incredible oh. last night. <laughs> Always better to overlist than underlist on the injury report. Like, did he have a paper cut on his shoulder? Like, what happened? <laughs> 194 total yards from scrimmage. No big deal. Cam Akers, the rookie making moves. I will say this, um, early on uh, in training camp, Jalen Ramsey had tweeted out after the game, like how proud he is. Both went to Florida State, both have the same agent. Jalen sort of looked out for Cam Akers. I, Matt, I don't know if you were at training camp, but there was early on, Cam just ran right into Jalen, like just, practice ate it like down on the ground and Jalen kind of stood over him like yeah bro welcome to the league and it's just great because maybe that was the re like 
we got it out of the way. This kid is humbled. He's all about, put, you know, team effort, like yeah, whatever I could do. Humble beast tattooed yeah, on Yeah, maybe it. that's what he was just getting. You got the same thing, right, Matt? Yeah, it's just. I was asleep there, humble yeah, beast. On, but one humble and then beast over here. So depending on my mood, I can. Have you, I mean, I guess he's okay. I love it. I'm really glad that Cam Maker's shoulder doesn't even exist. He doesn't even have shoulders, it seems. Neither do I, but I can't help that. That's genetic. <laughs> At least you have good hair, Tom. I'm all about coconut oil for the win. That is it. We'll end You learned there. something here today. That's what it was all about, right? That's all I needed. Um, another episode of Ramblin' in the books. Um, hey, guys, while you may not be able to join at SoFi Stadium this season, we want you to come to the Rams house in 2021. Fingers crossed. All things go well. There's still time to be the first amongst the new SoFi season ticket members. So make sure you check out the Rams.com slash 2021. Get some tickets. Be the first guys to get in there. It's a beautiful stadium. Tom, I don't know if you've seen it. But I want to come there. I've seen yeah. it. The, the pictures doesn't do it uh, justice. I want to just stand under the Oculus and stare up at that for three hours. I would. Go to Honestly, slash twenty twenty one and and hopefully be a part of that. Shameless plug, but that's what we're doing today. Make sure you stay up to date on all things Rams. You can also download the app. You can also follow Tom Pelissero on Twitter at Tom Pelissero. Thank you, Tom. Appreciate your time and your hair. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Serena.